It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Go to rockauto.com to get all the parts that you need for your car or truck at a reliably low price. Former Warriors forward and NBA champion David West joins me today. How have you dealt with not having sports in your life for the last few months? Let's start there. Um, well, I mean, you know, I've figured out you know, stuff to do, like working out outside. I've been really using opportunities to, um, you know, um, work and train my son. Um, you know, it's been a little off in terms of just not having sports to watch, but um, it's been you know, it's been the longest period I've ever gone in my life without being in the gym, so. How, how did you react to the initial video of George Floyd's death and then the protests that we're seeing now? You know, I didn't. Uh, so I don't watch the videos. I haven't watched, you know, any one of those, uh, you know, murders. Uh, over the last couple of years, I, I really can't tell you the last one that I watched. Um, I see still images. I listen to people's commentary about it, um, but I don't watch the actual videos. So once I, once I saw, I heard a couple people um, describe it, and then, um, you know, just read some reliable accounts of what happened. Um, you know, you just, you know, your first, I, you know, the first thought is, you know, again, uh, and you hear, uh, you know, the same plea, um, someone calling and begging for their life. Um, and again, it's, uh, it's something that's been repetitive and consistent. Uh, and, uh, you know, black people are made to put the, the, or bear the brunt of the trauma, you know, associated with, um, you know, watching things like this and witnessing things like this and um, you know, the people who were there uh, people who witnessed these things feel relatively helpless those of us um, you know, watching you know, seeing things from a distance feel relatively helpless and um, you know it's starting to bleed over into um, you know the consciousness of, of non you know African Americans I think that's what you're seeing now in the uh, sort of in the, in the protests and the way people are responding to um, you know to this this unjust killing and um, you know the manner in which you know that still image of him just sort of kneeling on this guy and looking into looking into the crowd um, is a very chilling image because it was a casualty. I mean, a casualness. Um, that is associated with, um, you know, the way in which he took the man's life, you know, hands in his pocket, knee on his neck, you know, just completely, um, you know, ignoring, um, you know, the physical cause and physical crime, not only from George Floyd, but from, 
um, you know, people in the crowd. So, you, um, you know, go ahead. No, I mean, you mentioned there that, um, you know, it's start like this message now, this movement is starting to spread not only to black people, but people of all races. It's starting to sort of take the social con. Have you been, when you're seeing the mix of people who are at these protests and um, kind of helping push this movement along, had you have you been surprised by just, you know, how culturally diverse, you know, a lot of this stuff has been? Well, I think... Um... You know, I think the progressive, the progressive left in this country uh, is a is a diverse coalition, um, and I think that's where you hear the majority of the of the scream, you know, coming from. And I think you have, as I said before, you have, um, you know, I think the the idea of of of, a, of being a part of a country that that could, that would condone um, this type of behavior be complicit in silence um, and not um, speak against and use your energy to fight this behavior. I think it's weighing on the conscience of people. It's weighing on the consciousness of, of individual people and, you know, again, non-black groups because people want to believe, you know, the things that, you know, we want to believe about ourselves and the society and, we're constantly proving that that's just not the case. And so, um, you know, ultimately, I think the the push that you see um, is people's response to a very, very toxic and unhealthy environment, um, um, far beyond you know just policing, just our society in general, and what we're willing to accept, and, um, you know, what we have, you know, to offer one another um, when. Again, the systems that are supposed to support us and supposed to support the health of the society actually become a detriment to the society. So it puts us as a nation in a very weird place. And I believe all of that um, is, is why you see so many different people from so many different backgrounds, so many different walks of life, um, you know, saying in this moment, like, okay, you know, we have got to have some some stability somewhere, some sensibility somewhere. This is a place that we can at least start, and um, and it is you know curbing and figuring out a way to to eliminate you know again these extrajudicial killings of, of of citizens. A lot of times, in a lot of cases, unarmed. And I've said this before, regardless of um, uh, what that person's background may be, you know, in these moments, you know. You know, whether you're selling loose cigarettes like Eric Garner was in, in New York, that's not an offense that should be punishable by death on the streets. And, um, you know, same thing with George Floyd and George Floyd's case. I just think we've got to, um, and people are calling that stuff out too, you know, mm-hmm. so where we, we, we see these, these misnarratives about the victims and, you know, people aren't willing to support those things anymore. People aren't willing to purport those. You know, the, the attempt to to move away, you know, from the from the violent act itself, and um, I think it's 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 a part of sort of the society that we we have, and you see people's reaction, you know, to it now. We'll be right back with David West, but with the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all of the parts that you need, especially now while you may not be able to or willing to visit our traditional store. So do it easily online at RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. 
Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything that you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low without the markup that you find at chain stores. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, you, you're a student of history, specifically of African-American history. We, we've seen these protests just even recently uh, before, but does this feel different to you than past protests and past outrage? I mean, we're, we're I think, six years since Ferguson. We're, this stuff is still happening. But does this, does this one feel any different to you? You know, I think... Um... I think the energy is a bit different, I think, just because of the nature of what the climate is in the country. People were basically in this lockdown, in this COVID um, reality. And then all of a sudden, as we begin to talk about returning to normal, uh, it's almost like as if the police uh, were unleashed on on black people. And um, I think because it's such a, a polarizing moment in that most people are sitting still and you know we see sort of this return to normal as a return to violence and a return to uh, a system of injustice against black life and that's what we see and um, I think because of all of that and then on top of that I think you just have a new era of young people that are further away from sort of the American dream nostalgia than we've ever had in the in the past. Just speaking historically, I think mm. each generation, uh, you know, the baby boom generation, I think, you know, drank all of the Kool-Aid. And then as we got further along into uh, in time, right, you, people, young people start, saying, wait a minute, maybe that's not the right thing for me. And I think we're at a point where um, you have this large group of non, again, non-black, non, uh, 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 non I guess, non-black group that is in seeing the way that the country is headed and they don't like it and they don't believe in the nature of what America uh, was 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 born in. So I think that that's the uh, so that's the underlying message here is you know why it feels different. It's because this this group of young people, it, you know, I think they're just a, a little bit further away than the the old guard of sort of that white establishment is comfortable with. And um, 
you know, they're not growing up in isolated realities. Um, social media allows you know young generations and young people who are intertwined in, uh, in media to be connected mm-hmm. and um, experience one another in a different way. Um, so even if you're living in a segregated community, whether it be black or white, um, you can figure out what's going on and be tuned into people's lives and be plugged into, you know, the kid. And I, I work with young people in my AAU program. Right. Uh, and I realized, like, you know, there were kids that you don't know in, in high school. I remember that, right? There were just kids you kind of you didn't cross paths, but they went to your school. Well, these kids now are like, yeah, I'll find out who that guy is. And they'll just go look at the kid on Instagram. And it's like, well, I don't talk to him, but I know him on Instagram. You know what I mean? So it's like a different way that they're, you know, learning each other, communicating with each other. And then the way that, you know, ideas are being shared now, I think it's just really created a different level uh, of engagement. Um, And I think, like I said, these young people are a little bit more inclined to want to represent themselves better um, in in a way that's not... Uh, that's not as as contrast the contrast isn't as great I should say is what um, uh, what we're representing to the world and representing to ourselves to ourselves as a society and I think these young folks are just uh, they're wired a little bit different Um, you know and I don't think that they're willing to accept an America where you know the economic injustice continues the the injustice in the outcomes um a criminal justice system that continually doesn't deliver justice, um, you know, in 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 all facets, I think of society are being challenged. Um, and again, you have this coalition of young people, this coalition of young black people, this coalition of young non-black people that are a part of sort of this melting pot, and they're trying to hold people's feet to the fire in terms of you know, what America's supposed to be and how America's supposed to function. And, you know, I just, you know, if you look at sort of the outlay of, of um, you know, where things are, I think you have a, uh, you know, you have a, a reason to understand so, why there's so much anger, um, particularly amongst, you know, the black community. Um, but even our young people, young black people are more engaged um, and they're more willing to challenge um, you know, the outcomes and they're challenging, you know, the systems, you know, that don't produce just outcomes. And, and you, and, you uh, have, I think that's why the energy is different. You know? Yeah. And I mean, to keep talking about young people, you bring up a lot of interesting points there too. And I think that maybe this is just a small part of it, but I mean, NBA players have been, you know, the ones that a lot of these young people look up to have been also outspoken. A lot of them have been right. at protests recently. How do you feel when you see that, when you see stars like Steph Curry participating in, in grassroots movements and protests? Right. Well, that's a, that's a big thing. Like, I think these guys are, um, again, a little bit more engaged, further along um, in terms of what um, you know, they feel like they, they want to represent and want to be a part of. And, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a sign of the times. Um, and I think people, again, people get the sense that we, we have to change things. You know, we have to, this is not a time where you can sort of sit the fence. You know, you've got to be on the right side, uh, of history here. You've got to be on the right side of justice. 
And I think that's what, you know, uh, in terms of what the, the, the contrast that exists right now in this society is, you know, there's a system um, and a way of life that people are, are trying to hold on to that is that hasn't produced, you know, just outcomes for a majority of Americans. And regardless of where you are as an American in your career pursuits, um, you should have, um, uh, you know, your moral compass should lean you toward um, the side of the of those who don't have and the least of these. So I think that's what you're, you're seeing with players, um, you know, celebrities. I don't like to use that term, celebrities, entertainers, artists, whatever. Um, you're seeing people, you know, feel feel compelled to say, hey, we, we can create a more just society than the one that we, we currently have. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't accept anything other than that. We shouldn't, you know, solely lay it on people being individuals. We must, you know, in essence, think about, you know, having systems and things in place that produce positive outcomes for our citizens. It's just, it's just that simple. And that's something that I think regardless, like I said, of where you are in your career, regardless of what platform you have, um, that's a message and that's that's an idea that puts you on the right side of history. Have you, have you gotten a chance to go to any of these protests? Uh, well, I'm in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have been to, uh, you know, the one we protested. There was a protest here locally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess... Um, you know, I've I've seen it. I've been uh, I've been when I was eight years old was the first time I was at a protest in my hometown in um, in Teaneck, New Jersey. So it's not something that um, I'm new to. I think um, you know I drove my my son um, down to the protest uh, a few days ago. Well, maybe not a few days ago now, but maybe a week or so ago, just so he could, as an 11 year old, see and understand. Um, you know what was going on, um, but um, you know beyond that, it's just again I have uh, full support, or I am in full support of of sort of the energy that's that's with the people. You know, people who are seeking again, not just you know um, to make noise, but they're seeking to to change the system to produce better outcomes. I would imagine that was your son's first protest. Um, what what was his reaction? Well, I mean, you know, for him, uh, I think he just, the aesthetics of it, mm-hmm. um, seeing the people, um, and then just, you know, me talking, talking through things with him, um, you know, he reacted to, you know, to seeing things boarded up. I think that was his, um, you know, to his, to his credit, his, his, his young 11 year old eyes, um, that was probably the most stark thing about it. But, you know, his reality and our reality as, 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 as a parent, this is not, again, this is not a, 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 a moment for us. This is an everyday thing for us. So, um, you know, the same way, you know, he's experienced this, he experienced this a few years ago and a few years ago. So this is not our first time going through these, these moments. I think that's one thing that people don't understand when you're a black parent, when you're a black person, these moments may be polarizing and eye-opening for certain individuals in society, but these are realities that we've lived with all of our lives, every single day of our lives. I don't, 
there's not a moment that I let down in terms of educating my son about the awareness he needs to have being a young black child in an American society. There's no, that's a responsibility we have as, as parents. And, um, you know, so it, that's probably where I feel in terms of getting to the point where I don't want, I don't want to act like what's happened with George Floyd is some kind of eye opening experience for me or my children or my family, because again, we're black people, you know, we've lived in this, in this country. We understand the history that we have, legacy that exists in this country. So, you know, George Floyd and this current moment is not just about this moment. It's about sort of culmination of moments that we've been, we've been experiencing. We'll be back with David West, but in these uncertain times when we can't get to the store or go out to our favorite restaurant, we often end up searching the deepest depths of our kitchen for a snack. Stop eating those who-knows-how-old crackers. Put down the chips. Instead, reach for something healthy and delicious. They're called Built Bars. This is the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had, and trust me, I've tried a lot of them. A protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of the competitors. With 16 amazing flavors like peanut butter, chocolate, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, orange chocolate cream, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women. These bars are low-calorie and they're low-sugar, while also being high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for any ketogenic or other low-carb diet. And this week, get up to 50% off everything you purchase at BuiltBar.com. All of the profits will be donated to an organization that supports education, equality, and ending hate and racism. Again, go to BuiltBar.com. Support for this podcast comes from CDW NHP. At CDW, we get that an unsecured laptop can put your company's data at risk, making you a little paranoid. I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. CDW can implement a secure mobility solution using the HP EliteBook with Intel 8th Generation Processors and SureView Privacy to protect your screen from prying eyes. Did you follow me here? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash HP security. What was that? I mean, as more people have been sharing their experiences over the last few weeks now, um, you know, one of the things that kind of comes up a lot is, you know, the talk that, you know, black parents have to have with their with their young children about what do you do when you encounter a police officer, when a police officer may pull you over on the side of the road or you maybe encounter them on the sidewalk. Is that the sort of is that a talk that you had planned or have had with with your children? Yeah. Uh, so we, we started having a call or that that talk. Um, I believe it was Trayvon Martin, so he was probably four or five years old. Um, and then, um, you know, we uh, we've always been of the mind that we've we've needed to make him as soon as he could be aware to make him aware. My daughter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have those conversations as soon as they start understanding. As soon as uh, I forgot what um, which one it was, but there was something on TV, and uh, both of them, my kids are a couple years apart, but they watched, forgot what, it was one of these arrests, the guy was pulled out of a car, broken glass, it was a really, really big spectacle, and my daughter was just completely, she thought it was a movie, and then when she realized, when her mother told her, no, that happened to somebody in real life, you know, that's when, like, sort of the, the veil came down for her. She was maybe, man, she was no older than 10, uh, um, 
but when sort of the, the veil came down over her eyes, sitting there on the couch, and you know, I, I remember at my point, I said, well, damn, I got to start policing the news because I don't want her here watching this stuff. Um, you know, because at the time, sometimes you just leave CNN on, you just leave the Channel Seven News on, and um, uh, you know, have to be a little bit more conscious about not to traumatize them, um, and even. You know, like I said myself, I stopped. I stopped watching the videos uh, a few years ago um, because you just don't want that trauma in your mind and your consciousness because it's it's an everyday reality we live with, and we have those talks and we have those conversations on a consistent basis, not just when these things happen because these things potentially do happen to us and in our community uh, all the time. How old are your kids now? And, and I have a one-year-old. You're in. Uh, your fourteen-year-old is is your son. Your the older one. It's my daughter. Your my daughter's daughter. older. My okay. Yeah. My son's the eleven-year-old. Okay. Um, what are the conversations with them like now? Uh, is there more frustration? Is there more maybe even hope? Seeing what's going on out there. What? How have things changed for the, you in those conversations? Um. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know where they are in terms of. Uh, I would just say that. You know, they're a lot more direct because they're a little bit older now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they understand what's going on fully. Uh, you know, they are well aware of what you know of of what um, you know, what kind of society you know we're we're living in and the dangers that you know you know may or may not present themselves. Sort of the the built in um, layers to their life even in the, uh, in the in the place of privilege that my kids are being raised in uh, you know there's an understanding of the reality of who they are and um, you know I try to we don't try to play it down obviously we want to you know, you know we don't want to burden our children and we don't want to uh, uh, you know, make them feel you know create pessimists I guess to create that pessimism in them mm-hmm. um, as young people, because I want them to aspire to, you know, be whatever it is they want to be and achieve um, and dream and all those good things. But um, you know, it makes it hard, you know, when you when you understand the reality that they potentially could be facing. You know, they they like other kids are being like I, I talk to them about, you know, the society needing to seriously change. This is not something that we can just gloss over or make you know quick easy statements on like we we need real justice reforms um you know it's it's a matter of of just national security in my mind just the the the, 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 you know so i think that's more or less the conversation we're having with them now is our society needs to really change and the way in which we've been doing things is not working and you know, you've got it in your mind as a young person, and you've got to be thinking about ways to contribute to society to help it move forward. What are your thoughts on sports coming back? Because there's some concern among some NBA players that a return would distract from this movement. Others feel like they can help with the movement. Do you think that the NBA can balance pushing social reform and resuming its season? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm going to say that um, 
you know, I, I, I agree with some of the players who feel uncomfortable about the role that they would be be asked to play. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a, if, if it's something that people quite understand, um, but you don't want to be seen as a guy who's being used, you know, to pull people, to, you know, to dumb people down or to distract people, um, you know, to occupy people occupy people's minds and time <coughs> with something as as meaningless as a basketball game when our nation is literally, uh, you know, we need serious dialogue and serious conversation, not just for a few days, not just for a news cycle, but for months, for years. And I'm not saying that we should, that players shouldn't play or after the sport shouldn't resume at any capacity. What I'm saying is that right now, um, we need to be having, you know, town halls. We need to be having forums. You know, there need, you know, we need to be, you know, structurally implementing things that would, you know, change the nature of, of this country for the better. And basketball or any, particularly the, you know, the sports with the stars and there's different layers to the game of basketball, but it would definitely do more harm for the overall health of our society than it would good right now. Um, that's just my personal opinion. And again, this is beyond just people wanting to be entertained and beyond just the simple, well, these guys can use your platform and can do these, you know, commercials and, you know, talk about different opportunities and, you know, present sort of this, I don't know, this weird charitable capitalism sort of deal. But um, I just think that from an aesthetic standpoint, I, I agree with the players that, you know, don't want to be looked at like, they're just out there to be jesters and make sure people's attention is drawn away from the serious, um, you know, dilemma that our society is in. And, um, it's something that, again, we've got to we've got to address. And as much as I would want to, I would love to see, um, you know, the playoffs start and whatever. I think it's gonna, it's only gonna serve to to occupy people's time. And, it's going to divert the media attention, the media energy. It's going to dissipate the energy, I think, amongst young people because young people's natural inclination is to just to want to be entertained, and um, you know, it's going to it's going to change the dynamics of sort of where society is. And I don't blame players for not wanting to be the conduit to that. I appreciate you uh, answering those questions. Thank you for the time, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks again to David West for joining me on the show today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, where you can rate us, review us, and say nice things about us. Thanks for listening, and stay safe. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked on Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked on podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked on Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider.
This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.